Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Doom Productions podcast, a podcast hosted by Doom Productions. I'm your host, Jordan, and usually I am joined by at least one other person, Ethan Hansen, and sometimes another person, Zach Hendricks. But tonight it's just me because Ethan has COVID and Zach is uh, preoccupied with family stuff and I just finished making a video for this week and I was feeling in a productive mood so I thought I'd record a solo episode for the podcast um, to release. So welcome, thank you for stopping by. Uh, and if you don't know about Doom Productions, we make feature films and videos about films and filmmaking on our channel. All our films you can check out in a playlist titled Feature Films. I think we have eight movies in there now, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Let's see, we have Great American Sleepover, which is the movie we made in high school, which is not very good, but we live up. We leave up for people to learn that, you know, not everyone starts out amazing. Uh, we have Oh Brother, we have House, we have October, we have Video Carnage, we have See You Soon, Wild Boys, Wild Boys 2, Crescendo. Crescendo technically isn't a Doom Productions exclusive movie. It's not on our channel, but we had a huge part in making that, so it's in the playlist. It's actually, uh, you can check it out on the RC Films channel, but regardless, it's in our playlist. Um, and we have a whole ton of videos on our channel about filmmaking, uh, making movies, advice for other filmmakers, behind-the-scenes stuff, film an, a little bit of film analysis, stuff like that. And we have this podcast, which comes out every single Friday. And so, yeah, welcome. That's who we are. We're located in Portland, Oregon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I'll, I'll just leave it at that before I ramble for too long. So I've kind of reached a point. Ethan and I have kind of reached this point. I'm going to be completely transparent with everybody who's listening, whether you're a first-time viewer, long-time viewer, what have you. Um, Ethan and I have a really hard time coming up with ideas for videos, but we do it every single week because we gotta, we feel like we have to keep ourselves kind of sharp and um, kind of keep putting our stuff out there um, because we feel that, you know, one, we make videos, that's what we do, so it's better to do something every week, even if it's very low effort or even if it's just something little, it's better to do something every week rather than nothing. And also, we like talking to each other about movies, so we do this podcast. But, of course, on weeks like this, it's kind of, you know, a little empty. Um, yeah, but we have, um, in doing so, we've been doing this for the last few years, since uh, September of 2020. But really, on a regular basis, since January of 2021, we've been doing this, um, at least a video every single week. Sometimes three videos, sometimes two videos. But now we've fallen into a rhythm of doing a video and a podcast every week. So, uh, and in doing that and doing all this stuff, you know, there's, we've been somewhat struggling to find our, um, our identity, so to speak. Um, and, and let me explain what I mean by that, because when you make a YouTube channel, you know, you have to stand out. When you make any kind of online account, whether it be a TikTok account, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, uh, you have to, they tell you to find your niche and stick within your niche. Now, filmmaking or video games is obviously a very broad thing. Uh, 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 Star Wars or sports, that's very broad. 
but there are figures within each of those fields of interest um, within that interest that um, they find a niche within that. So for example, uh, Film Riot, when they first started doing stuff, they're, of course, they stuck to filmmaking, you know, teaching you the ticks and the, the tricks and tips behind filmmaking. Um, but the kind of hook in the very beginning days was follow me. I am, a, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. I'm just trying to learn myself, Ryan Conley, um, and follow me as I learn so you can learn as well. And that was kind of the hook behind it all. Indie mogul, wasn't they, they I th- Ethan would know better than I would. I think they were backyard effects and it was kind of like doing special effects. Um, and uh, Darius Britt was kind of like, if you want to make a movie on your own, here's what you do. And of course I'm generalizing and I'm not truly capturing what their niche was, but I think you know what I mean. Each of these film channels, they had a brand. They had something they could offer, something valuable to people who are learning to make movies. And there's also film review channels. And I think the most biggest one was like Tony Zhao, who did beautiful, wonderful video essays. So I think, it's, as far as I'm concerned, has, has uh, no one has ever made video essays as good as Tony Zhao from Every Frame of Painting. <clears throat> um, and so, of course, he spawned a whole bunch of other video essayists who weren't as good and so now it's kind of flooded the market and whatever but i digress i'm, I'm rambling again anyways um so ethan and i have we've been trying to think you know you know who what is doom productions the channel the way we look at it is that what we do first and foremost is we make feature films for youtube or short films we don't do as many short films these days but feature films primarily the other thing we do is we make weekly videos and a podcast the way we have been looking at it is our videos every single week were geared towards people who make movies on a no budget level we wanted to give our advice our our tips our tricks our little insight share some of our experiences um so that other people can learn whether you're just getting into film, whether you'd been in film for a long time, we figured the no budget film school was kind of like a hub for anyone who wanted kind of, I guess, obscure tricks or rather um, uh, just advice that could be applicable to you at any time in your filmmaking career. Because so often when you start out making movies, what you learn in your no budget days will apply to, you know, if you go on to make a you know bigger movie. It's not always the same thing the other way around. <clears throat> um, and so that was kind of what we've done. And we, then we figured that our podcast has become kind of more personable. Uh, it's for, you know, hardcore fans who really want to just check in on us and see what we're doing and just listen to us talk and that sort of thing. Anyways, my really long roundabout way of getting around to my point of all this is uh, I'm not sure what um, we've been. We, to be frank, we have run out of ideas, <laughs> to a certain extent, which probably isn't a good thing to admit. But I figured, you know, now would be a great time to call upon the audiences, asking everybody what kind of videos would you like to see from us. Um, now that's not the whole topic of today's episode, but that is a question I want to throw out to the audience out there, because we've um, we like doing feature films obviously but we're kind of unsure about the videos that people would be interested in we know the videos that we like 
to make, but we're not necessarily sure if other people are interested in. We don't know if we've covered everything there is to cover about no-budget filmmaking. Um, so I guess I'll start this episode with um, a, uh, a throwing that out to the audience, to anyone who's listening. If you have an idea for stuff you'd like us to cover, any information you'd like us to put out there, any kind of videos, subjects, questions, anything like that, please let us know because... You know, by this point, we're, you know, every time we get together, we're like, what should we make a video about? We're like, uh, could we do this video about filming in public where you're not supposed to film? And then we'll be like, we've already done that. And it's like, oh, shoot. Um, what should we do this week? And then, you know, it goes on and on and on. And um, we're not sure if uh, we should take it more personable and, and, and have our videos be more about the making of our movies. So maybe, for instance, rather than just, you know, no behind the scenes of Ladon's or the bell rings you're tracking with the making of that movie in real time as we're making it you know kind of more vlog style I'm not sure if people would be interested in that or you know are you interested in more like here's how you set up a three-point lighting or a one-point lighting or two-point lighting or five-point lighting or whatever um yeah so that's the that's the first thing i wanted to bring up today <clears throat> and that is related to our topic. It's not the only topic of today, but <clears throat> that's important because today I've been thinking about what I would record for a podcast or what a topic could be for a next podcast. And I'm not sure if I've done and in do, you know, doing so I go through my notes and I look through everything and trying to think of ideas of what to talk about. Uh, Cause podcasts, you know, ours are about 40 minutes to an hour or so. Some are a little longer, some are a little shorter <clears throat> sorry I'm coughing a whole bunch I have not seen Ethan I haven't got COVID or anything I just talking dries my throat out my mouth out and all that <clears throat> anyway um, and in doing so I came across a little little blurb I'd written um, called good taste is the enemy of creativity and if you know me if you've watched this channel before you'll know that I've said that several points uh, in different videos, different times, different podcasts, you know, whatever. I'm not sure if I've ever sat down and explained what it means. So if I have, apologies, that's the topic for today. <laughs> if I haven't, sit back and just, I guess, listen to this piece of advice, or I guess personal mantra, personal philosophy on film and art that I think is applicable to not only um, filmmakers, but artists in general, or uh what's it called uh movie makers uh musicians whoever if you are in the world of art and making something this is advice i think can apply to anyone really um and again it is a uh, good taste is the enemy of creativity now i don't know where i was or who first said it i know i did not come up with that myself it was something i heard i can't remember who said it so if you can come up with or if you can locate where that originated from please let me know because uh, I would love to be able to credit this person or this thing or whatever. Uh, but it's something that I've said for a while. So I think, you know, before I get into, I mean, there's several different layers to that quote, I think. Um, I think first off the thing to address, good taste, and let me just repeat it again. Good taste is the enemy of creativity. Now, good taste 
again, this is all my kind of opinion, you know, based on that phrase that I heard that I stole from someone that I heard from someone. I can't remember who, but anyways, good taste is the idea that there is such a thing as a bad movie and a good movie. Um, now again, but going back, if you know me, I, um, I think I've found that there's two types of film people in the world, two types of artists in the world, just in general, but I'll stick to film cause that's my lane. Um, there's people, there are people who believe that movies can be objectively measured in terms of this is good. This is bad. And there's people who don't think that who look at it more in terms of personal taste, which is, you know, I like this movie. I don't like this movie. And when you're talking about the technical aspects of filmmaking, it's, it's very hard to differentiate to, and it, and it can be hard to differentiate, um, you know, what is good, what is bad, what's, you know, made well and what isn't made well. An example I'd throw out. Now I am probably butchering the story. But I believe on John Cassavetti's first film, uh, he was going to dub it and use the use the audio because it was it was very low budget film, and it was dubbed uh, or sorry he recorded it just you know the audio and the and, and in post he realized oh my goodness this audio is no good I'm not a fan of this and he wanted to dub it but then he decided against it and just to leave the audio in. His intention was to make a movie with very clean and crisp sounding audio. Um, but ultimately, because of the budget, because of, you know, time reasons, because of a lot of things, he decided against it. And so the movie, the movie was released with poor, quote unquote, poor audio quality. You know, you would hear traffic whizzing by. You'd hear noises nearby. Some of the dialogue wasn't as loud as it could be. Um, everything was kind of all over the place because all the re- sound was recorded on, on location. And this wasn't done in a studio. Um, now, you could say that the audio on a technical level was bad, right? If you, if you subscribe to the idea of objectively measuring something. But at the same time, I believe that movie has been praised for, uh, uh, for its realism and the the uniqueness of that sound design which wasn't a technical intention by any means whatsoever but through accident and through you know quote-unquote poor audio quality became an interesting uh decision became an interesting artistic choice and i'm forgive me i cannot remember the name of the movie I can't remember all the details, but that is just something that comes to mind. That's kind of what I mean when I when I say that it's it's really hard to define what is good and bad in films. I think because you know you can break things down on a technical level, like oh the lighting is well balanced. There is a strong you know graphic sense to this to this frame. Uh, the sound is clear. The video, the um, acting is believable. These are all things that on one level, yes, it is. For the most part, it's important to try to get those things and get a good quality audio and get good quality sound and and video and, and, and a good crisp, clear image. It's important for all this stuff on a technical level to technically do things right. But there are there are many instances when 
that's not always the case when technical limitations bring about something very interesting and new and innovative in a sense. Um, thinking about a, um, you know, gee, I'm trying to think of another great example. I'm sure there's another great example of a technical limitation uh, becoming something that's artistically, you know, um, um, praised. The f one thing that comes to mind um, is thinking about something like uh, Clerks, right? Uh, Kevin Smith's movie. I believe that it was shot in black and white because color was just too much. Now, I, I don't know. That might not be the case. But for the sake of this uh, argument that I'm trying to make, or this point I'm trying to make, please just humor me. Uh, and again, if I'm wrong about any of these infos, please correct me in the comments below. I'm not, by no means an expert on any of this. Um, film stock was is expensive, right? Black and white is cheaper than than color. So they shot Clerks on black and white because it was cheaper. Now you could say that, oh, it wasn't in color. That's, you know, because it was too cheap, because our uh, budgetary limitations, therefore, because it's not in color, because it's not super real, it's no good. It's, it's uh, you know, it's not actually realistic because it's in black and white. But again, that movie's been praised for its kind of grimy, gritty, grainy uh, film, black and white film look, which is, you know, a huge part of the aesthetic of that movie. Um, I, th I think you get the point by now. The point I'm trying to make is that um, when it comes to measuring movies in terms of good and bad, on a technical level, I think it's very, very difficult. And you can argue with me all you want. You can, you know, post your opinions on that. And that's, and that's fine. That's, you know, that's the great thing about art is I think at the end of the day, it, it is subjective like anything. I'm not necessarily right. You're not necessarily right. It's kind of just, this is just what we think. And so for me, I don't believe that there is a such a thing as a technically well-made film. Because there's, there's in film school, one of the first things they teach you is uh, there's a good movie and a bad movie. And then there's a well-made movie and a poorly made movie, right? And another example, they didn't use a technical example. I mean, they did throw out like, you know, the mic, the boom poles in the shot and all that kind of stuff. Or the the uh, um, the the camera shakes a little too much and it wasn't supposed to shake. Or there's a scratch on the frame, right? They brought up all the technical stuff. But another thing they brought up was um, the the, the storyline. I can't remember the exact movie we, we watched, but I think... There was a movie about a mad scientist, and in one scene, the scientist creates a monster, and then that monster is never brought up again, right? And so, the point that the the film my film school was trying to make was that a, a poorly made film is a movie in which you know you bring up something in the story, and then that element is never resolved, right? Um, and again, to that I say, well, what the heck is the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because, you know, that, that, that those series, they bring up a bunch of stuff all the time that they don't necessarily address within that film, but they expect for you to go and watch the sequel and get the rest of the story. Or uh, what is The Room, where they brought up, you know, there's things in that movie story-wise story that are brought up that's never addressed again, and it kind of plays into the negotiated meaning of finding that film humorous. And it, you know, no longer, you know, you can't, a lot of people can't necessarily take it seriously as a drama, but it becomes a 
masterpiece of comedy. And again, you know, I feel like I'm rambling, but my point is I think it's really hard to distinguish between, you know, when it comes to the technical side of filmmaking, I don't think it's really hard to distinguish what is a a good technical movie, what is a well-made movie uh, versus a poorly made movie. And so I think that personally that there is no such thing as a good movie or a bad movie, not even a poorly made movie in a, in a, in a well-made movie, right? Where technically everything is, is quote unquote, you know, well-made or whatever. I don't think there is such a thing. I think like most art forms, movies are an ocean are an emotional experience first and foremost um something ethan says a lot is uh everyone's least favorite movie is someone's favorite movie and vice versa um because you know when i went to film school and even in the last few years i've i've kind of struggled with that question like what is what is a film what is a movie what does it even mean and it's the the kind of thing that i've kind of settled on for the most few, most recently, is that movies are an emotional experience. Movies are utilizing editing uh, to to manipulate time and space. That's kind of been my answer for the last few years. Something that I feel comfortable with saying. That's that to me is what movies and what cinema is. Now, that's not all cinema is. Um, I believe is it Russian Ark is the movie where it's all this one sweeping single take, right? I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Russian Ark is one. There's lots of other movies where it's not so much about the editing, but those are still movies in themselves. But anyways, I, th- I think like art, movies are an emotional experience. It's not about the story necessarily, but it's about how does it make you feel and what do the choices, how do those choices that the, the filmmakers made, how does it affect your emotions? That's what I go back to at the end of the day. And when you're coming at art or movies from that point of view, it's really hard to look at a movie uh, like The Room and say, that's a bad movie. Because, again, that movie, the choices in that movie make me laugh. Or the choices in that movie make me, you know, confused or or, uh, upset or uncomfortable. Like that, if I'm looking at purely on an experience-based merit, then... I can't say that The Room is a bad experience and therefore I can't say that it's a bad movie because there's no other movie in the world like The Room. You could say, well, what about Birdemic? What about Sharknado? Yes, those are very similar kinds of movies, but there's no no two movies are exactly the same. I mean, hell, they remade Psycho and they tried to do it shot from shot and it is not the same movie. And that is a really interesting experiment and um, kind of example. Anyways, um, that's kind of where I'm coming from with all this. And so good taste is the enemy of creativity. So in terms of when you're making a movie, you can't really worry about whether or not anyone else will like it. Uh, If you focus on what other people think, you'll end up making something that you don't really want to make. You know what I mean? And what I mean by that, again, coming at it from the, you know, there is no such thing as a good or bad movie. Uh, you, you, if you were try to please too many people, you're gonna miss out on pleasing yourself, which is the most important part of it. When you kind of forget the, the film uh, viewer, 
the audience entirely because it's just impossible to please everybody. And ultimately, you need to stick to your guns and make something that you really want to. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, I think the audience really comes into play here because there's some people who think, you know, the audience, you know, should have a say in this or should influence that or whatever. And and that's, you know, maybe that's another topic for another time, but I ultimately believe when you're making the movie, uh, you, you just can't listen to all those voices. You know, I think you, you hear horror stories of Hollywood filmmakers and they'll be making a movie. Oh, I think Rob Zombie talked about this when he was making the Halloween movies. Um, and he said, every single week, whatever the box office success was that previous Friday, the studio executives would say, this movie came out, just came out. So it's got to be like this. I don't remember the exact example that he gave, but like, cars just came like the studio's execs would come in and be like oh my gosh cars just came out made a bunch of money we got to make this like cars and rob zombie would just be like uh, i don't know what you're talking about okay sure yeah whatever and obviously that movie's halloween his remake is nothing like cars but you know you can't worry about people pleasing with your movie because in the end it's going to lack artistic a singular artistic vision um and then it's just going to be kind of a Frankenstein monster of a of a of a creation where the intention and the artistry and the intent behind everything is just kind of lost. And so, you know, when you're making a movie, you just can't worry about whether or not people like it. And that's kind of where the good taste idea. When you reject the notion of good taste, you also have to reject the notion of people pleasing to a certain extent when it comes to your audience. Because again, if there's no such thing as a good movie or bad movie, uh, you know, that frees you up a whole lot more. And that's not to say collaboration is bad with all, you know, the authorial intent and everything. But I, I do think there's a difference between collaboration and changing your film because you think it'll make more people like it. Like if I if I really want to have like a red car in a movie and then but I see like, oh, a green cars, those are really popular. I'm going to put a green car instead. And then it totally messes with the color scheme of my movie. But I think, you know, if I have a green car in the movie, it's going to make more people like it, right? That's not healthy. But, you know, if, you know, if Ethan were making this hypothetical movie and Ethan comes up to me and says, oh my gosh, we should make this a green car because the character of this represents this and then this will go play. That's collaboration. And that makes sense changing the color of a car or changing something about your film just because, oh, I think more people would like this. I don't think that's necessarily, you know, that's when I say good taste is the enemy of creativity. That's what I'm talking about. That's not, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not, you know, what you should do. At least I think. Um, yeah. And so good taste can also refer to, I guess, again, formal techniques of cinema or, or the content within itself kind of as I've talked about like with techniques you know thinking I guess not so specific but like I think well I guess I should address the second part of good taste is the enemy of creativity creativity is a wonderful beautiful thing and when you start thinking within limits of what people like or the boundaries that people have just set before um you can't be creative that's not to say all limitations are bad I mean 
house and oh brother were made because ethan were and i were like let's make a movie where we're just by ourselves all alone that's our limitation and right th those kind of healthy limitations those are good but when it comes to down to the techniques that's you know where it's not as good like so with techniques um i think we should try to push the boundaries for example shoot the aspect ratio shooting a movie vertically on your phone just because no one has done it before there's no reason why you shouldn't and that's what ethan did with house and i'm and he was not the first person to do that i know there have been other movies made shot vertically on a cell phone um and i think it's it's you know if you want to make a movie that doesn't i mean i think you're under no obligation you don't have to push the boundaries necessarily every single time but i think it's a fun thing to do right as an artist you want to show something show people something that you have they haven't seen before or that you haven't seen before make a movie that you want to make and if you want to make a vertical aspect ratio movie do it don't be uh discouraged from that when someone tells you oh but movies are 16 by 9 or they're 2.39 to 1 right don't let those kind of voices you know deter you from taking any risks and then good taste can also refer to uh, content within the story if you are, you know, making a narrative film. Content, it's a little bit trickier. Uh, think of Psycho, right? And I guess maybe this isn't so much of the content, but Hitchcock showed a toilet flushing in Psycho. That was the first time we'd ever seen that in a film. Uh, and this was super controversial at the time, but he felt that, he, that we needed to see it in order to tell his story. Um, for him to you know, tell that story, right? That's an example. Uh, and also subject matters, right? I think of something, this is a recent example, more, I, I'm sure they wouldn't remind me saying this, but uh, Hotel, the movie released by the RC Boys, when they were making that, um, and I guess just all of their work in general, a lot of the content that they cover in their movie is, is I wouldn't say taboo, but it's very controversial. You know, dealing with, racism and misogyny to a certain extent and not so i mean i mean the main character is is supposed to be a terrible human being and how the film deals with that and the people the characters who are in that that's right those were controversial choices and that's not to say you should do a taboo movie just to be taboo uh well well, at the same... Well, I guess... Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, 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 yeah. If... It's not always great to be taboo just for the sake of being taboo. But if there's a movie that you really want to make with a taboo subject matter and it really speaks to you, you could do it. But I think there's also an experience of... A perfectly valid experience of a movie where it is kind of taboo and shocking for the sake of it as well. Um, and that's not, you know, and again, that's a, that's where it's a trickier line. Cause then it's, you're dealing with real world issues and it's, and then it's the thing of, you know, how does your audience want is, how are they going to interpret it and how is it going to be perceived and all that? And that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but anyways, good taste being the enemy of creativity. Um, I think again, it comes down to as an artist, you shouldn't limit yourself. Um, there's 
so many limitations when it comes to filmmaking and when it comes to making movies, technical, logistical, all that kind of stuff. There's so many different limitations. Don't impose creative, creative limitations on yourself because you think more people will like it. And I think at the end of the day, that's what this, this whole kind of phrase comes down to. Good taste is the enemy of creativity because at the end of the day, you should be focusing on making a movie that you want to see, creating experience that you really want to have in a movie. And you shouldn't let voices tell you otherwise. Again, there's a difference between healthy collaboration and just changing your stuff willy-nilly just because you think more people will like it. And there's a tasteful way, I think, to, to do things, uh, cover certain subject matters or uh, do certain things. But at the end of the day, art is subjective. There's no right way to measure this is a good movie, this is a bad movie. This is a good painting, this is a bad painting. It's a very, you know, it's a tricky thing. Or I guess it's not tricky. It's a, I think it's very simple and straightforward like that. And it's within the reactions, that's in the discourse of it is where it gets a little trickier to navigate and all that. But that's kind of what I mean when I say creativity or uh, good taste is the enemy of creativity. I think one, it make it means not limiting yourself to what you think other people will enjoy. I think it means not limiting yourself creatively. I think it means pushing your own boundaries and seeing where, you know, you can push yourself, whether it be technically or story-wise or, or anything else involving your movie. Um, I think when you look at the history of people who innovate things, uh, they were always met with lots of no's and they didn't listen to them all the time. I'm thinking of an example. There's two examples. I was actually talking to a friend about this. Uh, two examples. One is The Incredibles. In the original Credibles, Incredibles movie, um, there's a shot where Mr. Incredible is looking at one of his suits, and his suit has a tear in it. And he sticks his hand into the suit and out through the other side, through the hole. And at the time, the animators were and the CGI artists were begging Brad Bird, please do not put that shot in the movie because at the time it was very difficult to put the, um, I guess it would have been the, the model of Mr. Incredible's hand through the mesh of, of the CGI suit that at the time was just a, they were like, how do we do this? How do we figure it out? Please don't let's not do this. It's going to create a whole lot of work. Uh, hasn't been done before. Can't be done before. Brad Bird didn't listen to them. And now you see that kind of stuff in movies all the time. Another example is, I, and I think I might have talked about this recently on the podcast, I can't remember, but um, George Lucas and uh, sitting down with uh, the artists at ILM when they're doing The Phantom Menace, and he's telling them about the whole Gungan battle at the end of episode one, where the Gungans are fighting the droid army, green, big green rolling fields, all CG Gungans, all CG droids. You're trying to figure out how to do this in the in the and you can tell how apprehensive and nervous the John Knoll is about the whole thing. And Lucas just stands his ground and says, No, we're gonna figure this out. We're gonna figure out a way to do this because we're gonna innovate cinema and we're gonna make this easier on ourselves and for the next two movies. Um Yeah. And so again. I think that's what a 
that's a big part of what good taste is the enemy of creativity wraps up is is not listening to the nose and that that's just a good i think lesson for most people i mean obviously there are times when you should listen to the word no obviously but when it comes to making art and making something and, and being creative um it's not always you know don't you got to a certain extent just drown out a lot of those voices and just turn the volume down and ignore them because at the end of the day create what pleases you create something that inspires you that you love you want to see and hopefully more people will flock to you regardless if there's some people who say oh this is bad this is not good or whatever remember no such thing as a bad movie no such thing as a good movie either but movies are an experience and so everybody's going to have a different experience with each project each thing you make so geez i thought I'd, I'd i'd be more clear and to the point and distinct and uh but i feel like i've just been rambling for a long time geez i'm sorry <laughs> if you're listening to this um if you're still listening to this give yourself a brownie point or gold star um for sticking with it so far yeah so if you have any questions or comments or anything like that about about um my my go-to catchphrase uh good taste is the enemy of creativity feel free to leave a comment down below if you have your own personal filmmaking quote or artistic quote or something you go to frequently uh please let me know um i'd love to hear it you know it maybe it'd help me out too so with that uh i'm gonna i get, i'm gonna move on to our next segment of the show or of our podcast. Um, and this this segment is called uh, uh, "What are you, what are you watching?" Yeah, I think I'll do "What are you watching" first. Uh, for me, it's been, you know, I found that I can't remember the last time we did this. Sat down and talked about what I've seen. Um, I've seen so much. Uh, I've actually I've not been watching a whole lot of movies recently. I've watched a couple things um oh yeah we watched yeah I, okay i think i talked about some of this with when we did our episode with zach and ethan um daughter of darkness tv movie pretty fun it's got um the girlfriend from ferris bueller's day off mia oh gee what's it what's what's her name mia sarah and anthony perkins that was a pretty fun one i saw the deep ones which a which was a hp lovecraft movie it was pretty fun and i rewatched chronicles of narnia but, um, yeah, I guess I haven't really been watching a whole lot of stuff aside from um, Gravity Falls. I've been rewatching a lot of that. and um, I've, But I've mostly been reading a whole lot of books. Part of that's because I'm working on a project and I kind of need some, you know, in the research stage and inspiration stage. So I've been reading a whole lot. But um, part of, another part of it is just I, I really like to read. <laughs> Um, I'm not a great reader. I'm not a fast reader, but I've been reading a lot more than I usually have. I mean, I think um, uh, since in the last last week, I've read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've read eight books in the last um, last week or so. Now these aren't huge books. These are like novellas, so they're shorter than a full length novel. But you know. I've just been enjoying them a whole lot. So I've been reading a lot of old weird fiction. So stuff from Arthur Mackin, stuff from Lovecraft, stuff from 
Algernon Blackwood, Algernon Blackwood, I don't know how to pronounce the name, Algernon Blackwood. Um, Been reading a lot of that stuff, and I love it. Weird fiction is fun. And a side note, uh, our our movie that we made, Doom on the Doorstep, came from two Lovecraft stories. Um, Because when we were doing that, I knew it was a Lovecraftian movie, so I wanted to give it kind of a Lovecraft reference in the name. And he has two stories. He's got one called The Doom That Came to Sarnath and another one called The The Thing on the Doorstep. And so, fun fact, that's where our film title, Doom on the Doorstep, comes from. And if you take it to more like who we are, Doom Productions, I mean, our name, Doomed Productions, came from our movie, Doom on the Doorstep. So, yeah, thanks, uh, old uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, for the for the name and the terrifying books and all that um but yeah i've been doing a lot of reading not so much watching um and now the next segment of our uh show what our last segment of our show uh what are you working on so as usual um i mean i can i can speak for ethan actually and and myself i mean it's been pretty it's been the same thing for the past few weeks uh working ethan's been working hard on the bell rings uh zach ethan and i have together been working on um uh wild boys 3 getting that out there and then i'm still working on ladonza prepping for shooting ideally we will be doing another uh couple days stretch of shooting next week at some point um so you know that's just been fun that's something i've been gosh i really want to show people a lot of stuff that we've been shot so far but i know that you know it's going to be a while before the movie's done so i'm gonna hold on to everything for a little bit now just to you know keep things under wraps uh yeah and that that movie's been so much fun i've i've edited everything that we've shot so like with most projects i've been editing as we shoot so i'm completely done editing with the stuff we have shot but at the same time, because of the nature of the project, I know that the edit is constantly going to change and morph and evolve as we shoot more and more and more. So, yeah, I've been working on Ladonza a whole bunch. It's been really great. And I guess not film-related, uh, but kind of more artistically, creatively, personally. I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right place to share this, but... Um, for for me personally, I am interested in so many different things. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. I have lots of interests in seemingly unrelated things. So I love film, obviously. I love music. I love drawing. I love art. I love languages. I love learning other languages. I love um, writing. I love um, teaching. I love CGI. <laughs> animation all that kind of stuff um i i got a whole lot of unrelated interests i feel and and passions maybe passion is a strong word but just i got a lot of got a lot of different things i'm interested in and it's been really hard for me personally to try to focus on one thing i mean obviously i'm a filmmaker first and foremost but fitting all the other stuff into my schedule into my time has been really difficult and even when it comes to getting a job or picking a job or a career even it's that's been really difficult because um i feel uh if obviously making movies is would be a a wonderful dream i'd love that i'd I'd drop anything i'm doing 
in a heartbeat to do that. But as you get older, you know that, you know, it's probably not going to be um, making a, making movies, you know, being paid millions of dollars in Hollywood. You know, that's not always very likely. So you got to have a backup plan or not even backup plan, but another career or job that you enjoy to to pay the bills. Because as a filmmaker, you're not going to make much money in the beginning anyways. Um, so for me, picking a career that I'd be happy with, because that's been really difficult, because I don't want to be locked into any one thing. And if I feel like if I picked only like one of the things I'm passionate about, I'd be losing out on a ton of other things. And so I'm really valuable my free time. So if the more free time I have, the more time I can spend on all these other things and, and, you know, improving my skills at like, you know, if it's art or uh, writing or animation or language learning or teaching or anything like that, that's, um, you know, I have too many choices. I guess that's the easiest way to put it. I, I just, I, I feel very um, overwhelmed with the amount of choices and things I could do with my life. And so I've struggled to get a lot of stuff done in the past few years in terms of things outside of filmmaking. Even in filmmaking, I'm, I'm not even sure how much I've, I've really accomplished, really. But so um, all that being said, over the next year, I'm kind of starting a new thing, which I've never done before. Maybe people, maybe it is a thing that people do. I don't know. Um, because of all my different interest in all these different unrelated things, outside of filmmaking, it's been very hard to accomplish very much. Like I've always wanted to write a book. I've tried writing books here and there, dabbled a little bit, uh, maybe written a couple of chapters, but never got farther than that. I've always wanted to draw more, and I have a couple of half-filled sketch pads and sketchbooks, but, you know, I'll get a couple pages in, and then I don't write anything else. I have music and songs and albums I've loved, I'd love to record and, or write or and just improve on, and, and but I've, um, you know, it's, it's not not really there <laughs> outside of film scoring of course I have you know lots of practice I need to do with maintaining my French and Spanish I've been trying to learn Kamai for forever but I, I'll start and stop for like a week or so like I'll start it up be good for a week and then I'll just drop it and falls out of my habit and routine and yeah I just feel very unaccomplished in that way so something I've been I started doing this month in June is something I'm calling the 12-month challenge, which is unoriginal, and I know it's kind of derivative slightly of Dan Lawson's 12-film challenge or 12-month movie challenge. I can't remember what it's called, but anyways, this is not a film-related thing. This is a passion-related thing. This is a skill-related thing. This is something different. Uh, essentially, for the next year, I'm going to um, pick... I'm going to dedicate one month out of the year to a different passion of mine. So um, I'm going to fully immerse myself in that field of interest. I'll try to spend my free time working on whatever it is that I'm working on rather than hopping around from different projects to projects. And then by the end of the year, my goal is to complete have a complete list of things that I've always wanted to do or improve my skills in a specific field. Um, and that's not counting film. Obviously, I'm going to be making films year-round. There's a couple things like film, 
language learning, education that I do, I'm going to be doing year round education, obviously, because that's my job. That's what I, how I make money. And, um, doing productions is somewhat educational, I think, <laughs> uh, languages, because, you know, I know that you need to maintain your languages practice daily. If you don't let it fall behind and film, because I just, you know, that's my first love first and foremost. But outside of that, I'm planning to dedicate each month all my free time to one specific you know interest of mine um and so this month i've been doing uh drawing because i want to get become a better drawer better artist uh i got a, a tablet or a, a ipad and a an apple pencil so i've been drawing a whole bunch in procreate and so uh yeah this month i'm working on drawing Next month after that, I'm going to be working on some animation. And every month for the next years, I'm working on a different thing. So it's kind of related to film, but not really. More of a personal, creative thing. But um, I've been working a lot on drawing and making artwork um, just on my own spare time. And so that's kind of like a year-long goal from this June to next June. Um, you know, I there's a bunch that I want to get done that have been meaning to get done. I just haven't done because too scatterbrained, feels like. And I might not reach all my goals, but, you know, if I only finish half of what I set out to do, that's still better than doing nothing. So that's something I've been working on. Uh, La Danza, doing a bunch of drawing recently. And yeah, that's uh, been been pretty, it's been pretty fun so far. We'll see how it treats me in a couple months or so. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for listening to me ramble for the past 40 minutes or however long it's been. I appreciate you listening. Appreciate um, folks coming in and, and listen to Ethan and I ramble. As I've said before at the beginning of this, we don't really know what we're doing most of the time, but we're just happy to have an audience of people who do enjoy our stuff and want to support our movies or our channel however they can. So if you're here, thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing. It only takes a few seconds out of your day, but It'd mean a whole lot to us. Plus, we promise to put out cool videos in return. So thank you again, and I hope you have a good day.